Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Warrior football podcast week one recap. Oh, yeah. Long weekend, Labor Day weekend. MWR.com, where you can find all of our stuff as we see every single time we start the podcast. Power rankings, betting lines. Uh, what else we got, Matt? We do some previews, some Q&As, some random news, like when the playoff expands. So uh, how was your weekend? You had a Thursday night game, so you had a full slate over Saturday. I mean, I, I got a long weekend, and I got to work tomorrow, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, you don't work tomorrow? I do not. Mm. Lucky you. I do have to work on Labor Day, but uh, it's all good. It's um, my typical job. It's a uh, it's more fun than work, but still, you got to be somewhere for a certain part of the day. So there's always that to get yeah. exactly and what it, you want. But and with the with eleven games to to talk about from week one, it, you know, I, I feel good that there is a lot to to cover from all those there, games. There is, and we'll just kind of do what we normally do, chronological order. So. Thursday, way back three days ago, there was two uh, two games. One interesting game, and one game that kind of wasn't expected. With your Fresno State Bulldogs beating Cal Poly thirty five seven in a. Let me ask you this, man: Why did Jay Cater throw the ball forty two times? Was that necessary in this win? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they also ran it thirty three times too. So I think they had the sort of balance that they wanted to. But also, yeah. when you consider that he had 377 yards and two touchdowns, if, it, yeah. if, if they weren't able to stop him, why would you stop doing it? Exactly. It just, it's just one of those things like they're up 21 Hey, You're not wrong, but it's just kind of when you play FCS team, you're big. It's like, well, let's get a backup or maybe give some more carries to like Jordan Mims had a handful, 15 there. And a couple other guys got in there like uh, Malika Sherrod had eight, but also had eight big plays on those eight carries. But this game went as expected, like Cal Poly – 
down 21 0. They made it 35 7 is not like a drastic blowout. But yeah, I mean, uh, I would say yes and no. Like, you know, the final, the final score. Probably indicative of I think where we both thought that it would be. I know that the spread was like forty. Yeah, and, much I thought. And while they didn't get there, you know, I thought you know it was if you want to call it like an A minus kind of performance, like you know the final margin maybe wasn't as wide as as I would imagine some Bulldogs might have thought. So you know, one thing that I look at in this game was you know where they were down twenty one to seven, but then Cal Poly actually fought back a little bit. Uh, in the yeah. second and third quarters, you know, they had their, their lone touchdown drive right at the end of the first quarter to make it 21 to seven. And then three of their next four, dri- excuse me, three of their next five drives heading, you know, into like, you know, I would say, what was it? Well, midway through the fourth quarter. Yeah. They had a 16 play drive the, and a 14 play drive. Yeah. They got within the, the Fresno state 10 yard line on three different occasions after that first touchdown drive. And to their credit, the Bulldogs, uh, you know, defense was able to turn them back every time. So, you know, when you look at the difference between these two teams in, in terms of like, you know, red zone conversions, obviously Fresno state had the advantage. They were five of five where, where Cal Poly ended up, ended up one of four. But I think the fact that, Cal Poly was able to move the ball as comfortably as they were sort of in that middle stretch of the game. I would have to imagine like when they're reviewing film, that's something that they're, they're going to harp on because, yeah, you know, with, extended, with the, why it's so close. Yeah. With more difficult opponents set to come in the week, in the next few weeks, you know, Oregon state's coming to town next Saturday night. So mm-hmm. they're, they're going to have to tighten up on that front. But I think, you know, if you were looking for a, a very strong performance from the offense, that's exactly what you got. You know, they were, you know, they averaged over seven yards of play uh, against a defense that was definitely, um, Overmatch. Uh, you know, rebuilding from some of its key components last year. You know, it's, I would say if you're looking for some more minor blemishes, the fact that they gave up three sacks is maybe something to keep an eye on. But other than that, I think on the whole, it was more or less the kind of performance you expected to see from Fresno State in this game. Yeah, because it's also excuse me, they're not going to film like those two plays, that two drives were thirty plays. Had they been cut in half, maybe and maybe it would have been forty-two seven, or I mean another seven to ten points on the board to get that forty points. Mm-hmm. But when they barely have the ball in the second half, but yeah, it's nit, nitpicking. But you can, it's part of SCS team. You get bored a little bit. But here's the thing too: when they had those fourth downs, like fourth and one at the goal line, they stopped them. Was it fourth and goal to four? I believe for yeah. the other for the prior drive, they stopped them there. A couple of good things, though, you have obviously Jalen Copper, but then you had, like, Nico Remigio had 100 yards, nine catches. They spread the ball around to a ton of guys. Yeah, he was That's actually their number did. one target in this game, uh, 11 yeah. targets overall. Um, and and they spread the ball around, too, where they had, like, what, nine different guys with at least two targets, nine different guys with two catches. I think that's exactly the kind of – you know, obviously, you, we knew coming into this year that you know Jalen Cropper. I guess more more properly now, it's Jalen Moreno Cropper. Did you see that? I oh, I must. I did not notice. That. I did not actually watch this game. I just watched highlights after. So, but that's good. Yeah, to know. I believe he actually changed the nameplate on the back of his jersey. And if I remember if I remember correctly, it was because uh, he was he was honoring uh, one of his grandfathers. I can't remember if it was maternal or paternal, Excellent. but. But, you know, he obviously we knew coming into the year he was going to be like the guy in that offense. But we also knew that they were going to spread the ball around as much as as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And you really got a taste of that in this game where, 
you know, Jordan Mims caught four passes out of the backfield in addition to running for 73 yards. He scored three times. You know, they gave it to Remigio in, in a number of different ways, actually. Touchdown, running um, the ball and scored that 13 yard. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Brooks, Zane Pope, Josh Kelly. And I think that kind of depth, that kind of strength is going to bode well for them in the long run. Totally. And also defensively, real quick before we move on, they had multiple players with a sack, half a, like TFLs. Like they only got yeah. the one sack, but like TFLs is a team, though. That'll play. Yeah, and they, they would have crossed, what, six, seven players, something like that. So it wasn't just like one or two guys, three guys get in there. It was spread pretty mm. pretty evenly, so that's always good. So, yeah, overall, it's uh, it, the result's fine. It's not like earth-shattering. They wouldn't crush them, but it's there's always penalties at six, but whatever. They're fine. They host Oregon State, who we'll get to later, who, who Chance Nolan, Jonathan Smith. Here's what I'm going to say, man. Well, I won't say it now, but well, let's say it's Oregon State. They're, they're going to be a serious contender to Pac-12. We'll get to them later. But I seriously think that's the case. All right, then. Next, you think so? Is that correct? No, maybe? Well, we'll talk about it when we get there. That's what I was saying. We'll wait to talk to this at Beaver Football later. The next game, which, oh, boy, San Jose State escapes 21-17 over Portland State. And, oh, my gosh, how is this game this close? I dropped San Jose State to, like, 10th in my power poll because they should not – It's this was not a game. Shavon Cordero didn't play well. Kyrie Robinson didn't run the ball well at all. Besides Elijah Cooks, not much was uh, really all that great offensively for this team. They and Portland State had. The, if we go kind of back to for, back to front, like the end of the game, they had a chance to win the game. They went for it on what for um, this? No, not the end of the game. Yeah, sorry, the fourth and five. Sorry, like mm-hmm. or no, not fourth. Sorry, the one before that. Sorry, they were super close. Couldn't get in a couple of times. San Jose State gets that touchdown, but it took them how many plays to get the end zone? Like they're sitting there, first and goal, second and goal. They, it was ridiculous. Like they were right there, and it took them so many plays to get in the end zone. They ended up being the um, was the Cordero run for the touchdown, but they were they had the ball like they started the ball at the Portland State thirty-two yard line, and look what the issues they had at the very last drive. Like if we go backwards, like they were right there, down seventeen to fourteen. It's credit to Spartans for making those plays to get down the field to do that. But it's like, they should never be in a situation playing Portland state. Like we expect like Brent Brennan. I know there's new characters on the offense, everything, but I felt Shavon Cordero would be good enough against this type of team to not go 15 to 30. Okay. So do we want to talk about the negatives first or do we want to talk about the positives first? You pick. There's both to choose from, I guess. More negatives in my opinion. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so th- in that case, let's talk about the positives first. I think if, you, if you're if you a Spartans fan looking for silver linings out of this game, I think you could definitely take heart in the fact that they they forced three turnovers in this game. You know, um, yes. you know, Kenyon Reed had a big pick. You know, uh, Jordan Cobbs had that really heads-up play uh, intercepting uh, Dante Shoshery. Mm-hmm. And then I believe they also forced a fumble as well that they were able to recover. And Wait, yes. I think that's the kind of thing that's going to bode well for them in the long run. You know, I think we talked about it in the, in the team preview podcast in particular, where it, this was a team last year that was pretty adept at, at getting hands on footballs, but were maybe a little bit unlucky about creating turnovers off of those. So when you look in this game and you see that they had four pass breakups and two interceptions, you think to yourself, okay, yeah. that's regression coming like right back into line, probably where it should have been. Yeah. And even with Shaw Street completing, like he was over 50, 24 or 37, it's not bad. 
but his yardage per play wasn't he wasn't beating him down the field either. Yeah. It was a decent seven point three pass yards per pass, but it wasn't like gashing them for it being that high of a percentage of completion rate. So that's also something to look at as well. Like they were they did have just two long passing plays, but besides that, they didn't really go down the field very often besides that forty two yarder and forty eight yarder. Yeah, I was gonna say, and the other thing is too. You know, they did get a lot of big plays in the passing game as well. So, like, even though, you know, the stat line for Cordero altogether doesn't really look that impressive. Only 15 of 30, 239 yards, uh, you know, one the, the one touchdown through the air, as well as the game winner on the ground. I think it's worth keeping. <laughs> and maybe you can take your, you can take this or leave this as a good thing or a bad thing. But they did have eight plays, which totaled 201 yards, which meant that, and I'm trying to do the math as, as I'm talking, 87% of his passing yard came on half of his completions. That's good and not good. So they were, they were explosive definitely in a way that was missing for, for, uh, you know, at, at critical times last year. So that in itself is a step in the right direction. But then again, you know, to your point, there was that maddening inconsistency from drive to drive and, you know, if we want to start pivoting towards, you know, the, the negatives, I think, you know, that, that sort of scattershot accuracy is something that we've known for about Cordero for a while now that he can be, yeah. he can be very hot and cold in that regard. But I think one thing that's worth noting that didn't really do him any favors is the sack that is the fact that Portland state had seven sacks in this game. Yeah. That's unacceptable. And that I think I can't remember if I wrote about it in the in the preview that I wrote or if that's something that we talked about in the preview, but I I remember one thing that I wrote at a minimum was how the offensive line, relative to basically every other offensive line in the Mountain West, is very undersized. Yeah, we did mention that in one of the either that preview or multiple previews. So and so, you know, I look at the fact that, you know, some of the guys that I know for a fact we mentioned in the preview, you know, BJ Mallow, who had double digit sacks last year, he had one in this game. Parker McKenna, their sophomore linebacker, have one. But then there were other instances, and I think maybe the, the best example of this is uh, Tyree Shakir, who, if the name sounds familiar, that's because he's uh, Khalil Shakir's brother. Mm. He had three sacks in this game, and he's a safety. You know, three sacks, four TFLs. And I remember there was one play where he he basically came in and, and nobody blocked him. You know, because everybody's attention was focused sort of, you know, the, the, the line is or rather the pocket is sort of shifted to the left. And he came in free from the right side mm-hmm. and and was able to take Cordero down. And you saw that a lot in this game. You know, seven sacks, 11 TFLs. That to me, if I'm a Spartans fan, is maybe the one thing that concerns me the most. Because that is the kind of thing where, you know, when you face better offenses, you know, better defenses, especially they can make you pay more for that. Yeah. You know, the, that kind of mistake prone sort of execution is going to be less forgiving in future weeks than it was in this one. Yeah. Remember they go to Auburn next week and they're already currently a 21 point underdog on the road to Brian Harson, soon to be a former team. Yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. <laughs> this is, this is not a team that on paper should be getting out gained by a hundred yards by an FCS offense. And that's exactly what happened in this game. Yeah, or obviously offensive line give up seven sacks, or the rushing attack, which we already mentioned earlier in our preview. Kyrie Robinson, yes, he had fifty or eighty-five total yards, he had the two three receptions, but man, he the running game only forty-nine yards. 
It's like that's unacceptable. And Cordero had thirty two of those. Not after after a sack yardage. So I'm not sure it would have told it would have been overall. Probably yeah, and they put, 50, they put themselves so. they put themselves in a lot of difficult situations too, which didn't help matters. You know, there were only four of twelve on third downs in this game. And and even in the situations where you would expect them to be able to move the chains, you know, third and short, so like between one and four yards, they were only one of five. Yikes. But I think the, the bigger concern is that on average, they were facing a third and eight throughout this game. And they were and, four and, and 12 on third downs also, doesn't help. Yeah. So I have to think like, you know, that's one of those things that's going to try and get corrected during practice this week because – you know, that turnaround, that that increase in difficulty from playing you know, Portland State to Auburn, like you mentioned, it it could go sideways a lot more quickly than it did in this game. Yeah, because I felt Spartans were, as I said all year, like I felt there's five teams, well, preseason that may change now, but where Air Force, Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State, San Diego State were the five teams that mm-hmm. could win. And San Jose was like maybe six if things go well, but after this game I dropped them deep because – yeah, things happened. It is opener. There's a few, little bit, you know, rush factor, just random things here. Opening game, new quarterback, new system for him, new receiver. But Elijah Cook played really well. But the same problems that plagued him a little bit last year with not running the ball at all. Very, and that's going to be a big issue because versus Auburn, you can't just a crapper to throw every down. Cordero, like you said, inconsistent at best at white. But but the it's just a, this is a frustrating game. It's a, if they got the win. They made that last touchdown run when it counted, but they were trying to throw it. There's, it was iffy on that last drive for when Spartans went up by seven, or excuse me, scored the seven points on the touchdown to go up by four. But that was like those couple plays are pretty stressful when they're passing and trying to figure things out and eventually just tucked and run. But if the running game doesn't get fixed off a divine, it's like it's going to be a long day next week at uh, down there in Auburn. Yeah, like, let, let's put it this way. Their last three drives started at, at the – Portland State 32-yard line or better, and they got exactly the one touchdown out of it. They had a missed field goal, turnover on downs, and then finally punched it in for a touchdown. If nothing else, that's got to get better. You know, the amount of the amount of points that you get out of any red zone trip like that. Yeah, they missed a field goal as well. It's like, geez, it's a – they got the win. That's all that matters, and hopefully they figure things out before they go next week. Next week. So next yeah. game, move on Saturday. Michigan 51. Call, we got a lot of blowouts. Colorado State seven. So I will say this: yes, it was a blowout. Not it was never in doubts. The they just crushed him at will. I did like like Clay Millen, efficient but not going down the field. Sixteen to twenty, one thirty-seven, with late super late TD. I did like how they were spreading the ball a little bit on the first couple of drives. Yeah, they got a first down here or there. They made some plays, but they're clearly throwing short to see what they could do to to the receivers. So. Him having that percentage, that's a positive because a, a guy getting his first start ever going to Michigan, the big house, 90 plus thousand, 100,000 folks. And he found a couple plays here or there. Like, I don't know why. Uh, yeah, it's besides if 51 points is not good, but I felt him in the situation he's put in, Jay Norvell still kind of spread it a little bit, but he wasn't going down the field or going to. Have the they don't basically, in my opinion, watching Millen wasn't going to go down and make big plays for them to win. They're more of like, well, let's just kind of throw it, sling it, see what we have. A couple of longish plays, but it was never, I was just never in doubt. But I was, I was pleasantly surprised when they're first in a couple of drives. They had an interception of what drive two or three there in the first half, uh, too many mm-hmm. three and outs. But there's a couple times, like a few, 
what, three, four drives, including the touchdown. That went about seven, eight, nine, nine plays. So there's a couple positives that way where they moved the ball a little bit. But remember, Michigan's defense is what led them to the playoff last year. And, yeah, they did lose Aiden Hutchinson, but there's still plenty of guys back. But that's probably the most positive I have, that they he was efficient and completed the passes he's asked him to throw. That's something, I guess. Yeah, I think, you know, other than the interception, he, he didn't make any bad decisions other than that. No, they made a good game calling as well, I felt, at the place. And I think the other maybe more concerning thing is, like, he, he mentioned, okay, well, how do you replace Aiden Hutchinson? And so I, and there was this conversation that was going on on Twitter throughout the game, because one thing that I couldn't help but notice, Millen took a lot of hits in this game. He did, yes. And, it, and I know that people were pointing out, you know, they were, they were pointing out to like, you know, uh, Yabi Anoma, um, you know, Michael Barrett, other guys like that. But then, you know, we just talked about San Jose State giving up seven sacks. So did Colorado State. Yeah, and I but, think but also it's Michigan thing, and not it's not Portland State. Michigan that's a little bit different, but still not good. But I guess I guess what I was thinking is okay. Well, in the same way that we've talked about it in in a number of different ways, and like you know, last week with UNLV, for instance, it was like, well, it's it's Idaho State, or you know, this week with you know Colorado State, you know, losing you know so badly to Michigan, you say, oh, okay, it's Michigan. But honestly, that offensive line looked like it got eaten alive. And I don't know that you can yeah. necessarily explain it all away by just saying, oh, well, it's Michigan. Well, I'm I not doing that's... that, but that's a big big part of it, in my opinion. But no, seven sacks, that's unacceptable. Because you can scheme around, like do bootlegs, you can move the pocket, you can do different things. So the, if your offensive line struggling where you can move the quarterbacks, you're not getting the sack, so at the very least you throw it away. So there's other plays they can run where you're not going to get sacked, where it's just a typical three or five-step drop back. But they got to switch things up if if that's going to continue when they play going forward. Like when they play, uh, I'm not sure the next game is, but I don't know the schedule. But basically, you're right. I'm, I'm not. It's, you can't just say, oh, it's Michigan. Colorado State plays Middle Tennessee next, by the way. Okay. Okay. That's okay. You know, that's correct. Yeah. They have a Rams. They also, they also didn't really get a lot of push on the defensive line either, which was a little bit disappointing. Like, I think when I was coming into this year, I was thinking, well, okay, what is the pass rush going to look like? And you know, I know that Muhammad Kamara had the lone sack on the day, but I think more concerning to me is that 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 duo of Blake Corum and, and Donovan Edwards didn't really meet a lot of resistance. Otherwise, you know, between the two of them, they had 25 carries, and uh, if I'm if my math is correct, uh, 140 yards and two touchdowns. They, they they basically averaged over five yards of play, and then got gashed even more once JJ McCarthy took over for Kate McNamara at quarterback. Yeah. So I think those are a couple of things like, you know, how Colorado State responds in the trenches, especially going forward. You know, we'll talk more about, you know, MTSU later in the week with the with the week two preview. But the Blue Raiders did not look good last week. Well, the Rams are already early seven, or touchdown favorites at home. So, yeah. So so we'll touch more upon that. But those were sort of the two lingering questions that I had about this game is like, you know, is the offensive line is like, was it all Michigan or is there something that may take a while to figure out? Uh, and, would, and same thing with the defensive line as well. I would say def- holding them to a couple of field goals is a little promising instead of just allowing them to walk in for touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So that's a little something. Also, did I miss something? Where was Dante Wright in this game? He had no catches. Like, was there anything with that? Cause I was watching this game on mute doing things like kind of wasn't, I was paying attention, but not super focused 10 AM to watch. Like he had no catches. 
no issues I could see reading around about anything with him. He just didn't get the ball. Is that all it was? Yeah, I have, I didn't see anything about it afterwards. Because I was looking like a little bit before. I'm like, okay, box score, nothing. Okay, do you get hurt? Do you just not play? So that's kind of a concern too because he's like your playmaker. He He's a guy you expect to get him ball where Steve Adazio did not get him the ball in, in good good and fun creative ways, like quick passes, end arounds, like this quick pass game in space. I know Torrey Horton had a solid game, but that's one thing too. I'm looking like, did I just miss something or he just wasn't – that's something too where you expect your big guys to come out and at least do no, I mean, something. He was there. He just didn't get any targets. Well, that's my point. And like, I think a, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Millen just didn't get a lot of time to throw it on the field. That's all. I, I I get that too, but like they they've gotten the ball in the past to maybe it's just Norville's offense, but end arounds or quick sweeps to him. I don't know. It's just something where mm-hmm. he's probably their most dynamic player on offense. Like give him the ball a bit more. So that's all. It's a not ideal, but I get it. We don't have much time. It's, well, how can we make this play? They don't want plays that take till to develop when you're giving up seven sacks and exactly. what, 11 TFL. So that's that's probably all it is. But, yeah, we'll get some more next week. Middle Tennessee State, there'll be a more uh, – a better game to gauge how good the Rams season is going to be. Yeah, exactly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And then we got Northern Iowa in Air Force. Air Force 4817. Matt, did we find a new Air Force receiver? The deep threat in game one already? Dane Kinnaman? Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. Well, okay, well, let's not forget, too, that he was – I mean, he might be the new Micah Davis, too, because he – That's you know, what I'm saying, yeah. He the 80-yard the touchdown through the air. He also had the 71-yard touch, touchdown on the ground. I, I know. I'm just saying, like, we always – we're not entirely sure who it is. And that was our big concern. Like, okay, Micah Davis, he's not on the team anymore. But him, 157 yards, two touchdowns, 80-yarder. You mentioned a 70-plus mm-hmm. yard. <laughs> Although I think the argument against that, though – is that he had plenty of company because, uh, you know, Brad Roberts also had a 71 yard touchdown run. Um, I'm, I'm trying to look Johnson, at Jalen Johnson had the 80. Jalen Johnson had an 80 yard touchdown on his lone carry of the day. Yeah. Five hundred forty rushing yards. This on is what I want to see. That is impressive because, you know, we talked about it coming into the game where we sort of both thought <laughs> that the Panthers you know, there where the offense had a couple of questions, like the defense might be a tougher challenge than anybody would have expected. But then, you know, you go and look at Air Force's drive chart and they basically had, other than a couple of late fumbles, you know, in the fourth quarter, they basically had no problem moving the ball against this defense. You know, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. It was a very impressive... Yeah, it was a very impressive afternoon all the way around for the Falcons. 
Yeah, and it's this is what you wanted San Jose State to do, what Fresno State sort of did, essentially. But yeah, this is a game where they got a million people million people involved. They had two hundred rushers, they had four five over seventy yards. Like Kinnaman, if he if he does this thing when they play because they play what? Uh, they get Colorado. They're already two touchdown favorite at home over Colorado starting for next Saturday morning or afternoon, I should say. So that'll mm-hmm. be uh not well, it's, whatever. It's Colorado. They're not great. They got blown up by a bad TCU team. But this is that type of game. Like they find a guy downfield. Defense only gave them seventeen points. Um, they passed a little bit more than I thought they would against this Air Force defense. Like with uh, what uh, the Panthers did there with a Theo Day, he did all right. But besides that, like the defense. No sacks, only two TFLs. That's slightly concerning when they drop back 32 times, but the rush defense held up extremely well. So that there's not, no huge plays. But overall, this is the dominant performance we expected for Air Force against this team. And they, this is why, I know it's throwing the aisle or whatever, but this is why they're good teams beat the crap out of bad teams. And that's what Air Force is this year. Well, yeah. And Air, and Air Force beat the, beat the crap out of a pretty good FCS team, I would say. Yeah. What were they? What were they ranked? Do you have that in front of you? I don't recall. Oh, you know what? I don't, but I know they were in the top twenty-five somewhere. I think they were somewhere around the fifteen range of memory serves. Okay, so so good team. Top, yeah, so that's a solid team. Yeah. Uh, so where to go next? Is it the uh, snap? Uh, oh, snap! We're playing Snapdragon Stadium game. The Arrows and Ellipses. <laughs> that's so late. Yeah, we could we could talk uh, about San Diego State. <sighs> I would say I told you so, but with the injury in place, I'm not going to at the moment. However. As our buddy Ted in the DM goes, when there's a sack at the first play of the first game at New Stadium, things aren't going well. And this is a game I kind of watched quickly. Again, I just stuff going on. I couldn't watch it all live, and I didn't have time to go actually record and watch the whole thing. I'm like, I'm so I watched like a condensed one. So I got the gist of the game, but I saw on Twitter, like, okay, I kind of followed along there. I'm like, watching, going back and watching what I watched, this game. Only got out of hand. Like it was close. It was, yeah, ten outs, not good. They were they had to punt in their first three possessions, or excuse me, first two possessions, three and outs, which weren't ideal. Defense held for a couple of field goals, or yeah, I got um, sorry, yeah, field goal touchdown in the first half, but it was seventeen to ten after that touchdown. But then that's when things got out of hand against for Air Force or not Air Force, sorry, Arizona and San Diego State in this game, because at the end of the half they had a chance to tie it. They had the interception. Do you think on the pick where the pass across the middle, would he have gone for a touchdown possibly? Or would that guy who got the interception where it tipped would have nailed him right there and t- tackled him? Because I watched it a couple of times. I'm like, maybe he could have burned past him if he's running in stride. But because if he beat that one guy who actually got the pick, there was nobody back in the Arizona secondary to tackle him. Like it was yeah, him and I nobody th- else. I think he might have. Might have scored or might have got just taken down right there instantly. I think he might have scored. That's what I thought too, because the guy right there, I'm like, there could have been enough for maybe a little shoulder push off or stiff arm to go, but that was an unfortunate error there. Then you had, it led to a touchdown. Okay, 24 10, but they rolled, rattled off, what, 21 straight points to go up 31 10. They got the ball to start the second half. They score again, or, and then, no, sorry, 14 straight points. It's like, there was that change, and then it's like, yeah, it's Arizona like, got wah, the ball wah, out of wah. halftime, marched right down the field with five plays, and that was pretty much it. So, um, about that secondary, I thought Essex had a defense in that. What's going on there? Well, um, what went on is basically they had no answer for Jacob Cowing. You mean the uh, future Blitnikoff winner who transferred from UTEP to, to just crush the Aztecs? It was amazing. That was shocking, though. 
because for, because you know, Jaden Galore's yeah. mm-hmm. numbers on the on the whole, like you know, they they weren't like otherworldly. You know, twenty two of thirty five, two hundred ninety nine yards, but you know, the four touchdowns. And and Cowling, of course, was you know responsible for the lion's share of that. You know, 10, 10 targets, eight catches, one hundred fifty two yards, and and three touchdowns. But you know, the the true freshman Ti Tataiaroa uh, McMillan, you know, also had a touchdown. You know, three catches, fifty three yards, and mm-hmm. you know their other guy Deontay Singer uh, or Dorian Singer, excuse me, you know, also had six catches, fifty two yards. So like they were able to spread the ball around in such a way that the Aztecs just could not find, you know, you know, somewhere to focus. It was sort of like a, it felt like a miniature version of what we saw in other games in this game. And and we'll talk about it more, I think with Utah state in a little bit mm-hmm. where Utah, where Arizona just had better talent at wide receiver all of a sudden. Well, they're and the San Diego state like had, like I feel like it's been, I feel like it's been a while since the Aztecs have faced a trio of receivers that are that good. Yeah, because I guess when they're Mountain West, they faced Fresno had a couple. They beat Arizona. They beat uh, who did they play last year? The power. They beat. They play Arizona last year they, as well. Uh, yes, they did. And 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 then and if memory serves, they didn't have any of those guys last year. Well, yeah, they're they're like they might have had like Singer, but they definitely didn't have McMillan or Callan. Their leading passer, leading receiver, leading rusher, all transfers. Which is why it's, there's that. That's a, and they they came in together to play nicely, but also can the secondary knock a guy out of bounds? Like there's times where um, a crown crown was just like tiptoeing down the sideline, like just push him out of bounds, guys. The secondary was garbage this game. They were getting beat on passes. They couldn't tackle. They're not getting a hand on the ball. They, this secondary just got shredded like it was a bunch of new guys running out there in circles. Like on the no, in certain plays, like you're right, like Deloria, like yeah, four TDs, awesome, 300 yards, it's good, but he was only, well, not only, but still 65% completion rate, which is well above average, but he wasn't shredding them going like 20, like 29 to 35 for 410. But also, problem here's the thing Aztec, like this is the more big picture thing in this game because the running game was not good. Chainsville only had 30 yards, Burmeister had 20, but he got hurt early on. Bring here comes Will Haskell, and like literally nothing happens. Like this, and I don't know how serious Burmeister was. His shoulder injury, they said, correct? Is that the diagnosis? I believe. Yeah, they, yeah. I remember there was one image of him after he took a hit, and I think it was in like the third quarter, where he was a little bit slow to get up, and you could tell he was clutching his his, his shoulder, sort of cross armed. And, um, you know, that was one of the things that we talked about all through the offseason was, you know, if Burmeister plays up to his potential, then, yeah, this offense could look really good. But the two big questions. I don't know if that's the case. I don't think that's the the case. The two big questions were always going to be accuracy and health. And in this game, and I said this on Twitter.com, too, at MWC Wire, he didn't have either one. See, people hype, like, this is. Here's the thing, and this is not to demean or say anything negative about this guy. He transfers schools for a variety of different variety of different reasons. How many guys out there? And this is also an Aztec, not him thing. Like, how many guys transfer multiple schools besides Nick Starkle, which you'll bring up, remind me because he went to A and mm-hmm. Arkansas and San Jose State. He's like the 
literally minority of the minority because I've been around guys like Jay Keeps who went to BYU, Kansas, Miami. You'll see what Shane Rattler will do if you go to South Carolina. I've seen guys like Jake Bentley go from South Carolina to Utah, South Alabama, Charlie Brewer, Baylor, Utah, Liberty broke his hand yesterday. That's injuries different, but guys that transfer multiple schools, typically they're honestly, it's because they're not elite quarterbacks in elite play. But also, San Diego State and Brady Oak need to find an offense. You can't, in this day in college football, typically, you can't go out and win 16-4. to You can't be Iowa because that game was ridiculous and terrible. It's like, you can't, I don't want my team to win 7-3 and have two safeties. Aztecs need to find some offense, and we've been saying it for how long? Their running game has diminished over the past couple of years. Even when Greg Bell was really good, wasn't healthy. There was not... I'm not saying like having Donald Pumphrey walk back through the door, guys like that winning the rare non-quarterback mountainless player of the year. The offense shows they have a legit NFL receiver, first team all-conference, official first team guy, Jesse Matthews, two catches for 18 yards. They're they they need to find they need to like I said in the in a is either last in a preview show or maybe during our season preview. Find an OC that will just run the offense, and Brady Hook's like, you you got this. Just keep me updated on kind of what we're doing, but you can run whatever the heck you want, and we'll recruit to get that talent there. They cannot win with this type of offense. If you're elite G5 defense, Clemson can do it, but even them going 10-2 and probably wasn't an enjoyable season last year wherever they went, beating teams like 10-3 to when they beat, I think, who they beat, or they lost to Georgia last year. Very low scoring game in the opener. I remember, like, oh, how good is Georgia? Oh, Clemson's not great. We found out Georgia's amazing and Clemson's defense is really good. You can't win that when teams can get through your defense and you're down. We said it for years. If Aztecs are down by double digits, game over. They're not coming back and winning. They don't have an offensive game plan to do this. They didn't run the ball well. Yes, there's injuries, but Will Haskell came in and it was only two of six. And people are hyping up Will Haskell last year to come in and be the guy recently. Lucas Johnson was a better quarterback than all these guys and he got ran off to Montana State. They don't have an offense that can that's good. And I've said it for a long time, and now the running game's subpar as well. They're just a team. They're not a good team anymore. It's maybe an aberration, but they're just a whatever. They're like a seven to five team. I know it's week one, maybe I'm overreacting, which probably the case in every Aztecs fan, like, what do you what does this guy know? Whatever, but seven of sixteen for sixty-two yards, Matt. They ran the ball forty-two times, had 170 yards. Their defense got lit up by a bunch of guys who came in during the during spring football. New quarterback, new running back, new receivers, and Aztecs couldn't stop any of it. I will contend that the running game was actually a little bit better than the box score would indicate. I think the problem was... 12 11 their downs. I'll throw that in there as well. Sorry, I'll go. <laughs> the big problem in this game was like, you know, if all you do is look at you know, the box score and you look at the, the quartet of Cam Davis, Jalen Armstead, Chance Bell, Jordan Bird. You know, between between the four of those guys, they ran for about I want to say 124 yards and an averaged uh over five yards carry, which is pretty good. Yeah. The problem in this game is that it was very boomer bust. Because yeah. you look at the fact that they had six big rushing plays that totaled 82 yards, that meant to your point that you know almost half of their rushing yards for the game came on about a, like you know 20% of their carries so while you know Cam Davis had you know eight carries 39 yards you know nearly half of those carries or excuse me half of those yards came on one carry 
Same with Armstead. Same with Jalen Armstead. More than half yeah. came on one carry. Jalen Bird. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that there is something there that it was working. They just weren't consistent enough to make it work from drive to drive in this game. And to your point, they also didn't get any help from the quarterback situation. So I don't know if I necessarily agree with everything that you're saying. But I do think, you know, given the fact that they had, yeah, in general, a field position advantage of about five yards, you know, their their average starting field position was the 34-yard line compared to, to Arizona, which started at the 29 on its on its uh, average drive. You know, they also... They also Sorry, forced two turnovers. Problem was, they also gave the ball away two times as well. And and to your point, like they were two of eleven on third downs, but they also were two of two on fourth downs. Okay, that's still fourth. So like you, on third and fourth down, that's still not good. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying. I mean, I'm not trying to like excuse everything away, but I'm saying that there were some things that were working in this game, like when they were on schedule. Ironically enough. You know, the two first downs that they actually converted on, on third downs came from within four yards. They were two or three on third and short. Problem was, they were just never in third and short. And and even when they were in third and mid, they struggled mightily in moving the chains. Because they and have a no lot pass, of that. They have no passing yeah, game. That's the problem. And a so lot of that stacked. fell into the quarterback situation. So that has to get better. But it won't. It never, it, I will never, ever believe all these fans. Oh, I know I got hurt, so whatever. That's, I'm not piling that way, but I'm never believing it until I see. That's why I'm, I all season I've been consistent. I'm skeptical about this guy throwing a four three. He doesn't run a four three. He was injured Virginia Tech. Oh, but he still played all the games. I don't care anymore. It's like it's like with George Lani. We get to that game. Show it to me. I'm not. I'm not trusting. I never trust your aspects quarterback. Christian Chapman's last guy, and he was well above average. Didn't turn the ball over. Was efficient and. But it's also the offense. They don't allow a quarterback. If Again, if you're a quarterback, why would you want to go to San Diego State when you're tasked to hand the ball off and throw it 12 times a game? What what good quality quarterback wants to go there? How did Why is Jesse Matthews still on this roster when he gets the ball through four targets a game? Why would you want to play for a team like that? Look, we just talked about look at Crowley for UTEP. He was great there, but I can go to Arizona, which is not obviously not a huge step up in my opinion, but just whatever. But why would how can they get good guys to come to this school when you're playing the way the type of play, ball they play. It's not just, yeah, there's glimpses here, there, the running game. A bunch of guys did reasonably well, but like you said, a lot of the yards came on boomer bus. Half your yards came on, on one player. It's beyond, if you're if beyond frustrating for this team, like I've like their defense is good. And also remember one of the touchdowns was a uh, Arizona screwing up and kicking the ball in the back guy's butt and they were covered in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So they really only scored 13 points offensively. And, they were they were outclassed in the first quarter. They outclassed in end of the second quarter, into the third quarter with bad interceptions. This off team, I'm not saying go out and do what Coastal does or do what Mike Leach does or do what Lane Kiffin does or spread it out. Teams can be fine doing this type of play, but you got to have a guy to. Tr- they don't. I don't think they trust their quarterbacks to throw the ball. You're losing, and you only throw it 16 times, and your running game's okay in this game. Like it's not exactly. Yeah, five yards of carry, but it's not exactly efficient. I know I'm ranting here, but I'm like, you got to open up. You got to have an offense that can throw the ball a little bit more. And then you'll get talent to come. Defense can't win it all for you. You got to score points. I don't know what else to say. This team, maybe they'll still go nine and three and contend for the West, but you got to throw the ball. Like Fresno State, 
threw the ball and ran the ball, Matt. The teams can do both. Utah State, when they played the Oprah versus UConn, we'll get to them. Alabama's different beast, but Calvin Tyler Jr. in 33 times. Logan Bonner threw the ball well. Aztecs have are too one-dimensional, and when they're down, they can't come back. And like I said, when they were down like 24-10, like they're not, they're not winning this game. This game is over. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're looking for I don't believe, sort of, sorry, Aztecs. I don't believe you guys. You're just If you're team. looking for one sort of telling stat about what exactly needs to improve going forward. I got a couple of stats. So what, one of the nice things that statbroadcast.com does is breaks down short passing, medium passing, and deep passing. So I'm just going to lay this out there real quick and then we can move on. So short passes. So within five yards of line of scrimmage. San Diego State was six of eight. Arizona was nine of 13. Okay. Medium passing, so this between five and 14 yards. San Diego State was one of five. Arizona was nine of 15. There it is. Deep throws of more than 15 yards. San Diego State was 0 for 3. Arizona was 4 for 7. That's the entire game right there. That involves the secondary not playing well, which is really weird because we have like – What's his name? Uh, Patrick McMorris. He played okay, but like he was out there not making plays. Eight tackles. That's it. I don't know, man. A lot, this, of, work, this a lot of work to do. Let me add one last thing on this. Is Arizona really that improved? Do you think that's could that possibly be the case that we're they just might over- be? I mean, all, we knew that the component pieces were pretty good. Like you know, Delora was a he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year last year. Yeah, at Washington State, Cowing was maybe the best deep threat receiver anywhere in the country last year. McMillan is a five. McMillan's a five-star true freshman recruit, and and oh by the way, like we didn't even talk about other guys like DJ Williams or Michael Wiley who also played a role in this game. So yeah, yeah. they might they might have you know put something together that's pretty interesting, and, and uh, we'll obviously we'll wait and see what the Wildcats do going forward. But you know if the Aztecs do turn things around and have the season that I uh, at least for my part I think they're still capable of having, you know if Arizona comes out and and gets back to bowl eligibility, then, you know, this loss maybe in December looks a lot better than it does right now. You're telling me if they're six and six, this is an acceptable loss. If Arizona is six and six, I stay. I mean, after the disaster that Arizona had last year, probably. I know, but it's a six and 16. That's, I don't care the turnaround. That's different conversation. I'm saying if, if, if insert team name here, you lose by 18 points, you can't move the ball and they go and they're six and 16. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I'm like, Oh, we lost to a bowl team. Ah, that's just me. Let's move on before more people get Just a matter of perspective, I guess. It is. I just, I'm not a believer. Like, again, I'm changed. I'm at this point in life where you got to show me something. If I, if I don't, if you don't believe, bring it to me, I'm never going to believe you until you do it. And they didn't brought nothing to this game. And I'm confident in saying that. You read All that. right. Yeah, I'm you feel saying. passionately about that. I do because Aztec fans get on my nerve and say, this guy's the best quarterback ever. We're going to throw the ball all over the field. And they've never done that since Ryan Lindley was around a decade ago. So come at me what you want, but they don't, they have, they don't, they, they just don't have it. Like offensively, nothing. Defensively, this game, we'll just didn't give up almost 40 points. They don't give up that many points all that often, this, uh, this amount. They're under what, 20 points a game, somewhere in that range typically. But I'm just well, tired of them they, saying, they, oh, they gave up 44 in the championship game last year. Yeah, and they got mad at us for that when we called them. Tra- when I, well, I'm not speak for you, but when we said that game was just awful and terrible. And I know guys are out with COVID and whatnot, but they they got their butt kicking for Utah State last year, and so that's two of the three big games they've had. I don't remember their bowl game, whatever. 
Oh, the game got canceled, right? Arizona Bowl game, weren't they in that, I think? No, no, no. That was Boise State. They Boise. played UTSA in the bowl game. And they won that game, I believe, right? But still, I'm just like, no. They they come so hard in passion, which is awesome, and I love it. But don't tell me you have a quarterback when you've never had a quarterback in a decade. Or off-passing offense. Let's move on. Tulsa, Wyoming, double overtime, 40-37. to 37. Talk about quarterback play. Talk about turnaround quarterback play. Andrew Peasley, oh, boy. Not going for this game. 20 to 30, 45 yards in the ground, ground game, whew, not ideal, but yes, welcome to the club for throwing 66% of your passes, two touchdowns, and getting a double overtime victory. So, yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due. Peasley looked pretty good in this game overall. What do you think changed him? Because he's 4 of 20 last week, didn't throw it as much. Like, what do you think turn- turnaround was? Just more comfortable? I don't know. It's uh, He looked much better, obviously, so that's part of it. Comfort wise, yeah. I mean, but you know, maybe, I mean, maybe there was a little bit of nerves being on the road, being in a new offense for the first time. Because I re- and I, re- I distinctly remember the first couple of drives last week against Illinois, it wasn't like they were asking him to make difficult throws, it was that you know, he was just like overthrowing short passes, like you know, screen passes, you know, passes towards the sidelines, things like that. And like they weren't really trying to stretch the field, and that's why his, his numbers were so poor in, in week zero. And so that's why I wrote, you know, when I wrote the preview, I was like, you, you don't want to shy away from trying to run out that same kind of game plan if that's how you choose to be balanced. And to, you know, Craig Bull's credit, to Tim Pollock's credit, that's exactly what they did. You know, they didn't really stretch the field all that much. But when they, when they did, you know, they were able to get big plays out of it. You know, they got a what, you know, the 48-yard touchdown from Will Pellisier, uh, a 51-yarder from, you know, uh, Joshua Cobbs. So they were able to get big plays in in and really sort of flip that script in a way that you know, where they struggled mightily against Illinois. You know they didn't really have a lot of problems moving the ball through the air against Tulsa. No, and the defense showed up too. Like they got the fumble in the first possession. They held them to that long drive that ended up in a field goal, a couple punts, but they kind of let up in that first the end of the first half. But the defense, I know, I say it's weird. All oh, defense held up well, thirty-seven points. But they were, they made some certain plays, like they a couple of field goals missed by, uh, by I guess by each side on that point. But like the Wyoming defense played a little bit better, where they made a couple. Clearly, if they don't get the fumble touchdown or a couple of plays early here and there, where they get the uh, interception as well, I believe they, they mm-hmm. get interception, right? Yeah, yeah, they had a. Uh, or am I wrong? Did it? Uh, was there? No, sorry, no, my bad. No interception, fumble. Excuse me, I was looking at the wrong thing here. But defense played well enough, and then when you look. Skating throughout, like going back and forth, like the first half, it's like, oh, when they score 17 points in that second quarter, and yeah, it was 20 to 17. It's like, oh, it's not looking great for Cowboys just because of that drive where the Tulsa's offense found the switch where they went, where they got the field goal and touched, they went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, where they outscored Wyoming, was it 20, uh, obviously 17 7, but I kind of felt like that's not looking good. And there wasn't enough time. They took a knee to end the quarter. And then they get the ball, they don't score right there, but then the punt return for the, uh, or excuse me, not punt, block punt, punt defense makes another big play there. So that's, that was probably one of the biggest plays there after struggling offensively, or excuse me, offensively and defensively in that second half for second quarter, they get the block punt, which was helped them quite a bit to t- to go up by four because there was a, that was a little concerning point in my, if, if Tulsa went down and scored or, or had at least a deep drive on there after forcing that three and out. I felt this game could have turned the other way, but that I know Tulsa responded with their own TD, but that block touchdown, 
I think helped quite a bit to keep them going in this game because then it kind of went, obviously, touchdown, a couple punts here there, and then kind of traded points throughout the rest of the game. But, yeah, that's a – and then they had the long field goal at the end. Like a 44-yarder, I'm like, yeah, it's fine if you missed. It would have been nice if they could have that game winner there. But uh, they – this is a good bounce back game for I me mean, for how they played last week where it was really, we're like, this team is garbage and terrible. We overreacted by miles math, but I do like how this team kind of turned around and they, yeah, they made mistakes this game, but so Tulsa, but they also made big plays to keep them around. How concerned are you about the past defense? Well, on a one to 10 up there because they give up 460 yards Three guys so, have okay, so, 100 yards and all the deep plays too, man. Jeez, what is, I don't, I should pull up that broadcast, but they had at least four plays over 30 yards passing and one over 50. Yeah, they had, they had 12 big plays that totaled 322 yards. Yikes. On the flip side, though, they did have eight pass breakups. Yeah. But there were a lot of instances. There were a lot of instances of really bad tackling, or or trying to yeah. use a shoulder to knock a receiver down when you really should have just wrapped up. And I know for a fact that on, on one of those touchdowns, I can't remember which one it was. You know, that he if he had just wrapped up the receiver, he probably would have brought him down. But instead, the receiver just bounced off of him and ran the rest of the way for the touchdown. Wrap up. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a concerning that when they play Colorado State, when they play uh, Utah State, that's going to be a bigger, bigger concern. Because while Bryn was only 30 52, Davis Bryn, like, clearly he had what, 14 yards, 50, over 15 yards per completion. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. So every time I got the ball, it was almost two first downs, essentially, to first down and a half. Too many deep plays. You're right. Tackling was an issue. So that's a big concern. Uh, defense, yeah, that's my biggest takeaway in this game. Part of it, I guess, the secondary being poor. Offense, they were hit or miss, but it was much better. But hit or miss is kind of kind of rude to say for how what they played last week. Running game could have been better. I know Titus Swin didn't have the best game. But Peasley can run a little bit to kind of offset that and help a little bit if there are some issues. But they, they, Tulsa's an okay team. They might get a bowl game to be in that mix, but I my biggest uh, the best thing about this game is how they turned it around from last week where six points didn't move the ball at all outside of Swen moved running pretty well and they found their passing game at least for one week so overall there's not too much to complain about secondary needs yeah work, I mean but offense the, the way it switched around and went from really bad to well above average is a good a good game one to game two improvement. Yeah, and, and I would contend too that the, the the defensive front too had a much better performance overall as well. You know, four, sacks. four sacks in the game, and you know where where Bryn was able to really you know kind of go hawk wild in this game. I think it's also worth noting too that even though it wasn't necessarily the emphasis of the Tulsa offense, that they were able to hold the Golden Hurricane under three and a half yards per carry too. If you adjust for sacks, three point four yeah. yards per carry. I think that is exactly what Craig Bowl expected to see out of his out of his front six, you know, coming into the year. And so, like, if if it wasn't like an A plus performance, you might call it like a like a B B minus kind of performance, and that's substantially better than what we saw against Illinois the week before. Yeah, good effort. Like this is the, this is the kind of performance that's going to make them a headache to play, you know, in conference play later later in the year. Yeah, just going to tighten up the secondary a little bit and. 
yeah, maybe the only two yeah quip for running game could be a bit better in the secondary, but they got the win. And again, the turnaround they did is more than anybody thought would would happen in this game. So, mm-hmm. all right, is it time for uh to take ten seconds to talk Alabama Utah State? That was rough. So fifty. So I work with the guys who call the Utah State games, and I was sitting right next to them. Not the brought, not the game himself. The guy running the control room and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hearing them talking during breaks, like, "Oh, this is rough." They blew off the no second or the uh, a run off the field twenty second interview that leads to nothing. They blew off that guy because Blake Anderson's like, "We're not having any of that." They lost fifty five zero. If you're not sure, and I thought like you were right, but I thought that Utah State could have broken through a little bit. But they pulled Logan Bonner, no injury issue. It was just a uh, we don't want Will Anderson to break him in half issue. Or any Alabama player, like he didn't well, get hit okay. up at all. But they, here's, here's a question. Here's yeah. a question. How many how many times did you watch that Will Anderson play? The Not one enough. that the one that was going around on Twitter. I think it was. Uh, you know, he he came in and basically laid the hammer down on Palate Macacona. Oh yeah, 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 probably more than I should have. I I must have watched that like twenty times. That was an unreal play. Yeah, so they don't want I mean, that to happen. This to was okay. You know what? You know what this game was. What this this was the kind of game where you realize, oh yeah, Alabama has like one guy has a guy who might go first overall in next year's NFL draft. Yeah, and then and then they play and you know then they go and play offense and then you watch Bryce Young break out a long you know run to escape pressure that I'm yeah. almost certain nobody in the Mountain West would have been able to do. And you, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, there's another guy who might go first overall in the NFL draft next summer or next spring. Yeah, yeah it's – I think three, it was that, that 63-yard run he had in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Hit 100 it was just yards like, yeah, because he, yeah. he turned the corner and then, like, he turned on Oof. the afterburners and basically nobody caught him until he was well down the field. It was just like there's nobody else on the schedule who's going to be able to make a play like that. No, I, I wonder, here's what I was thinking during the game. Remember those, did you actually read the story about the guys who made the $1,000 bet for Utah State to win the national title? Did you read that? I read a little bit, about it, yeah. It's pretty interesting. We talked about Moreta's show. It's like just two random Jersey Italian guys. Like, this would be funny. Let's make a bet in Utah State or <laughs> whatever. I wonder if Nick Saban mm-hmm. printed that out. It's like, hey, these guys predicted them to win the national title, not us. Some random three betters out in Jersey. That would not surprise me at all. No, it totally would not. But I, I am surprised, like Utah State. I felt with the way they have who they have offensively, they could have done a little bit of something. I mean, like, I oh, think I, there was there was one play in particular that sort of told me everything I needed to know about this game, and I can't remember which Alabama receiver it was because there were so many touchdowns in the first half. It was either Treshawn Holden or Jermaine Burton, but there was one touchdown where. He grabbed the pass around, I want to say, like the four-yard line. And, and poor Andre Grayson was basically dragged all the way to the end zone from there, trying to bring this dude down. Impossible. That's, this is not I – mean, and, and so when I say that this game has a lot more to do with Alabama than it does with Utah State, yeah, clearly, I honestly yeah. don't know that there's much you could take away from this game. Yeah, like the first-team offense didn't really do anything at all. But – you know, Alabama's there's a there are reasons why Alabama is the odds on favorite to win the national championship, and they were all on display in this game. Yeah, and I don't fault Blake Anderson for kind of waving the white flag early on because I think Bonner was taken out with early second quarter, I want to say I don't know exactly when. Yeah, something like that. It's like there's no point. We're down 
I don't know what the score is, but they're down 17-0 in the first period, down mm-hmm. 40, 41-0 at halftime, essentially. Or that, no, technically, actually, they were. So I don't know how when he came out, but it's like it's a smart coach move. Like there's no reason to put him in that situation where injury-wise or whatever. And again, the, I, I kind of hope, was hoping Utah State could have put up like 17 points or something. That was kind of my – like, oh, I'm like, oh, they'll break through something. They'll get something going here because they're a conference champion. They brought talent back. But, yeah, don't – Utah State fans, don't be too concerned. That's why I think I kept them at the exact same spot in the power pole. For this week, I think I'm having fourth or fifth and kept them there. I switched the sure. team up. I think I put Nevada pretty high because heck, you're two and zero, and you deserve it. But yeah, the, don't be you can be bummed, but don't be overly concerned. Like this means your team's not any good because because you lost fifty five zero to Blake Anderson said this is the best team he's seen in thirty years in college football, and that's scary to hear. <laughs> um, you know what? On one Saturday, they definitely looked like it. All right, next game. Break Welcome up the Nevada, Wolfpack. Two and zero. They're going to be three and zero. Welcome to my bowl projection this week, or bowl guesses, like to say after week one, because they technically are for the most part. They want they came back and played very well against. I know Texas State isn't great. Thirty eight fourteen win. Looks like Illingsworth is going to be the guy at quarterback. I believe he had the better passing day, the more efficient wise. He only had two incompletions. Um, running game, not ideal, but they scored touchdowns that mattered. Um. Getting off to the hot start really helped them in that first or third quarter. Texas State, it's weird. The state that like no offense. They threw the ball. How do you throw the ball fifty-one times? Don't, don't even get three hundred yards. That's kind of a feat of, among itself to see, right? That well, that's because Nevada has played excellent defense through two weeks. I know, I'm just saying, but that's usually expected. If you're throwing fifty times, you get about three hundred yards. But they did not. They got to two eighty-nine. But they picked them off twice. They had two interceptions. The defense played great. Eleven TFLs, four sacks. They got to the backfield. Um, you had also um, Estesima had another good game, half TFL, handful of sacks. Yeah, Bentley Sanders had two interceptions. Does he also have a fumble recovery in last week as well? Is that correct, I believe? Uh, well, I know Maurice Woolmer had one in this game. Uh, Sanders had two. Sanders had an interception last week against New Mexico State. He had two in this game, including a pick six. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, he had a pick six, three, uh, three total, two TFLs. Yeah. He Probably be player of the week, right? I'm guessing defensively. Probably, yeah. And and I think, you know, more to the point, like the, the defensive line played a lot better as well. You know, obviously oh, Don yeah. Peterson had another excellent game. You know, he had two sacks, but I think more encouragingly, he also had a lot more help this time around too. Yeah. Some of um, the players at TFL, I think, or half. Yeah, James, James Hansen had a sack. Uh, you know, Adam Winand had a sack. So... Like there's there's a lot of encouraging signs for this defense, and and I know that a lot of people are, are sort of throwing it out there, like yeah, okay, well it's only New Mexico State, yeah, it's only Texas State, but I don't care. I I feel like you need to reiterate, like you know, good teams beat bad teams exactly like this all the time. They score so multiple ways. Were, so if you were sort of on the fence about whether this would be a bowl type team this year, I think through two weeks they've looked a lot better than I expected. I would say, which, which is not to say that, that I, which is not to say that I expected that they would look bad, but we, you know, we talked about it all off season. We just did not know. And while it hasn't necessarily been as flashy, like if you compare it to the Fresno State game, for instance, like it wasn't like Illingworth or Cox were pitching. Oh no, 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 the offense has work to do. But they were very efficient, though. You know, they were you know combined Illingworth and Cox. They were sixteen of twenty, one hundred and forty-four yards. And I would say, most importantly, no turnovers. 
plus four also turnovers. Yeah. And so I think you that you obviously you know, and and I looked it up. You know, this was the first time since 2017 that a team in the Mountain West has had back-to-back games with at least four turnovers. So while that might be sort of difficult to continue replicating week after week, you know, this this defense and ball control type offense that they put together, you know, it you know the offense as a whole, like you know, the the, the running game was more modest. I would say this time around. But that was Definitely. offset by the fact that the the quarterbacks took a step forward, didn't make mistakes, and and gen- just generally played pretty well. Yeah, sixteen efficient, but they weren't explosive. But think of, think of this: Ken Wilson comes over from Oregon. Defensively, I'm not overly surprised how they're playing. They're playing quite well, and this is kind of what we expected, where it would be defensive team offense would struggle. Because let's be clear, offense was not great in this game. They were okay, mm-hmm. like they were. Four of fourteen on third downs, not good. They did average seven yards per pass, which is fine. Only three yards of carry on the ground. Not to do a negative, but they did score a defense touchdown. Like defense is what I expected to be, maybe even a little bit better. I know it's Texas State, and they're probably not going to do all that great in the Sun Belt, but Nevada is going to be three and zero because they're going to play Incarnate Word. I'm pretty confident they'll beat them. And then, heck, no joke, they play Iowa. Iowa. I was listening to. I know you don't listen to all the verbal very often, but they made a funny joke about. The gentleman's touchdown with a field goal and two safeties to win seven to three. It's like you're telling me they can't go into Iowa, who can't move the ball to save their life, and it could be literally first to fourteen to win that game. And Nevada might be able to score fourteen points. I think you might be a little overlooking Incarnate Word a little bit, but we'll talk more about that next week. I know what they have and everything, but a lot of their guys have left the coaches and players with Washington State and <laughs> stuff like that. I, I think they could beat them. I, it's it. it I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna say they dropped 64 points on Southern Southern Illinois yesterday. Okay, I hear you. I that's where the defense will need to step up. This honestly might be their most most difficult task defensively this year, so far. But my point being, <laughs> yeah. shoot- that's not that's not an exaggeration either. <laughs> no, but point being, like they should. I think they should be incarnate word. I'm t- telling you the way Iowa plays too. Like Iowa doesn't want to play offense. They want to punt the ball and run the ball and score 10 points and win. Mm-hmm. I I'm just saying, like, don't be shocked. At, like, I, I'm just saying, there's a chance. Like, Colorado State wouldn't was not good last year. Nearly went, went into Iowa was in that game till the very end, slowly pulled away. And if these quarterbacks take another step forward, and maybe they'll actually stick with one and not play two. I know Illingworth, Illingworth, excuse me, got the bulk share of the work with 13 attempts, but they need to be better on third down, a little bit better running game, and. Go 60 of 20, but give me at least 225 yards passing. You got to be a little bit better on passing game. And, but I don't care. Well, what's, interesting, what's interesting is, is Nate Cox in particular has been pretty productive on the ground, too. I yeah, enjoy the big running run. play. The touchdown. Yeah. The touchdown just bulldozed his way in there, being a giant six foot nine, um, Brock Osplar clone back there. I put, I put it out there on Twitter. Like, do, do you remember that episode of The Simpsons where, where Homer and Ned become friends? Trying to remember, I haven't watched it in a while. But what then, like, happens? but then, like, Homer becomes like really overbearing, and there's the one scene where where, where Ned and his family are trying to uh, escape in their car, and Homer's chasing after him with a pair of golf clubs. Oh yes, okay, I do not. Yeah. So like, it's that homage to the Terminator. Ah, uh, yeah, Terminator. I just yes. <laughs> I just, just I distinctly remember like the way that that Homer with both of the golf clubs in his hands is like like gearing up to like hit his stride. 
and then like he catches up and like you know drives the golf clubs into the back of the car. That's what Nate Cox running reminds me of, and I enjoy it to no end. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, we'll see. This is a they, they're two and zero. They're probably gonna be three and zero. I and they still might only go win five games, but this was a team that a lot of people, including myself, figured with the unknowns, put them into near. 10, 11, 12th in our power rankings are kind of the bottom part of the conference because the West Division, we'll see how they are. But this is a good good win, 2-0. Great start to get more confidence, and we'll see what they do versus Incarnate Ward next week. Exactly. All right, New Mexico, 41-0. Oh, Break boy, up the Lobos, up. too. Heck, yeah. That's a four, shutout versus the main Black Bears. I'll get it right here. Uh, 41 points, I don't care, man. Lobo, again, Lobos, first game of the year for them. Doesn't matter, man. When your team that hasn't been good in a while and you put up 41 points, that's impressive. Defense, which we know what Rocky Long, Danny Gonzalez want to do. But man, watch out for guys like Wysong. Like he had, what, 51 receiving yards? He was uh, running the ball as well, had almost 100 total yards. Running game looked good. They threw it a bunch, a bunch of receivers. They started, oh, maybe we'll start there. Start Miles Kendrick, which we knew would be starting quarterback. They can't just transfer. Only had three incompletions. He had a couple interceptions, but. It's one of the, uh, not to say it's a good performance, but he's efficient, clean those picks up, and he may have had 200 yards at least passing the ball. And so that's a scoring 41 points for Lobos, Matt. That's a, hasn't happened in a very long time. Even though I was little, first quarter, I was a little concerned when I saw it zero to zero. That kind of got me a little bit. Then I saw the second quarter, I'm like, oh, here we go. Because his first pass attempt or first drive, interception, not good. Yeah, and then you know they were able to move the ball a little bit in the second drive where they got the interception right back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then weren't able to, to punch it in from there. But then after that, you know, I think I'm most encouraged by the fact that they were six of seven ultimately in their trips to the red zone. That's how they got all of their points in this, all, the, all of their points in this game. That's good. And and you know, well, it wasn't you know 100 flawless. You know, they did have nine penalties as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there were a lot of things that went right for the Lobos in this one. They were, they were nine of twelve on third downs. You know, they you know, had a pretty nice, nicely balanced, you know, offense where, you know, Kendrick had 170 yards, but the ground game, you know, got contributions from a handful of different guys. You know, you mentioned Luke Boysong. I'm also encouraged by the fact that even without Nate Jones, they were able to get a a fair amount from Sherrod White too. You know, a couple catches for 25 yards, led the team in rushing with 58 yards, scored twice. You know, he looked good. You know, Christian Washington had a couple of nice runs. Bobby Wooden had a couple of nice runs. I think, you know, given where the offense was by the end of last year, mm-hmm. I think any kind of improvement was going to look really good on paper. I have to imagine that, like, everybody in that coaching staff is probably feeling ecstatic after this overall performance. Yeah, and I do like the aggressiveness. Yeah, zero zero first drive. It's like, why not go for a touchdown inside your 10-yard line? I didn't end up being exactly. a sack. But I'm like, they could have settled for three points and gotten the board early, but... I do like how Danny Gonzalez, like with the QB, is like we're Kendrick, we're going for it. But yeah, they're like you mentioned all the stuff, how efficient they were in third down that nine of twelve. But also defensively, Maine was only one of thirteen on third downs, one of three on fourth down. This defensive effort, again, I don't care it's Mexico. Like the de- we've always said, the defense will be the better part of this team, and they showed it by with how many sacks they had. With what he had negative for what if you go by actual rushing yards. Uh, for, for, how do you say his name? For, for Nano, sorry, mm-hmm. minus. Nano. 
Fignon. I want to say a, like Vic Fangio, but I'm like, no, that's not how you say his name. I'm like, for some reason that name popped in my head. I'm like, oh, wait. But he got what sacked? How many times did he get sacked? Uh, four, three, sa- four three sacks. Times. Oh, sorry, or four three sacks. sacks three sacks, four TFLs, under 100 yards passing. Rushing game was non-existent for for the Black Bears. 22 total yards overall, including include sack yards. Like for about 50 total if you don't include those. But overall, like the defense, dude, I don't care who you're playing. Like you said, for a team that's been so down and they get a, a dominant performance like this, it's just nothing but confidence for going for next week and throughout the season. They're looking to be looking to throw the ball more than they have been in the past with 17 pass attempts. They're not putting no offense to Isaiah Chavez, but he's a walk on QB, did well two years ago. He wasn't going to be the guy. And they've had some injury luck, bad injury luck at quarterback play with um was it Terry yeah, Terry Wilson last year? Um Triato a couple years ago, like he's been off and on the past year or two, past couple years being injured. Was he technically a coach last year for five minutes? He came back on the roster. I forget. Yeah, I but, think he medically retired, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know he's not a team. I'm saying the past couple of years they've had no consistency at quarterback, and typically injury wise mm-hmm. was the most reason for it. A little bit of not great play, but they got Boise Friday night, and it'll be interesting to see because Boise. We'll get to the moment. Boise didn't look good versus Oregon State, so I do like overall performance. There's just be. I don't know what else you're going to say. Like they had 267 yards on the ground running with what seven guys get 20 more, 20 more yards on the ground. <laughs> like that's a good, and why song had almost hundred total yards offensively and what two touchdowns. Yeah. So overall, not much, not much bad, nothing bad to say. Just clean up those picks and that's about it. Really. I agree. All right. Next game. Is it Boise state time? Yeah, let's do it. Um, is Hank Bachmeyer done as the starting quarterback ever for Boise State? Is he completely done? Is he shot? Okay. So before I answer that question, going, how, much did, how, much did that, <laughs> how much did that surprise you that they that they had such a quick hook for him? That is surprising because I honestly haven't heard a ton about Taylor Green. Like, like there was no we all figured during it is surprising because through spring fall, it's like Hank Bachmer is a guy, everybody assume because he's been around for fifth year starter. He's played extreme well, he's been good enough and done above average at times, never been that elite quarterback, but he's been the guy for years and years. But two interceptions doesn't help. And when you're down 24 at halftime, it it all it's a culmination of things where he had the interception on the second drive, back to back interceptions. They scored no points. There's a fumble. Like he was not moving the ball when he had the ball. He only ran what ten plays before he got pulled, something like that. Yeah, I forget the exact number of plays, but I think it was like early second quarter, was it not? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, like going through, like where the going through the plays they ran and everything, and where Taylor Green looks like he came in on the what fifth possession, but they go three and out punt, three plays interception, three plays interception, three plays punt, three plays punt, two plays fumble, five plays punt, and then after that, other punt is when. Down 17 is when they brought in green. <clears throat> and so clearly not moving the ball where he had maybe 25 yards, 20 yards total offense, or maybe, well, sorry, 40 yards possibly on the fly because he moved the ball 22 yards on that second possession. But he clearly was showing nothing on the offensive game. And also, same thing I said about San Diego State, George Solani is dead to me, like I said last year. He, I'm no, like, end of last year, I'm like, nope. Prove it to me before I give you any benefit of the doubt. Okay. However, Taylor, hold on, hold on. Like, and let me on. let me pause you right there. Come on, man! Five yards long is, play, thirteen carries, nine yards. No. Okay, but here's my question though. 
is that a George Holani problem or is that a Tim Plow problem? Hey, Taylor Green had 102 yards on the ground running the ball. I know he had a 74 yarder. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it, it could be, it, hey, it could be both. I'm just saying, I know last year, offensive line issues, they're swapping guys in and out, doing injuries and whatnot. He had, he, here's the thing, he had 13 carries, at nine yards, nine total yards. Like, if you're a good running back, you're going to find ways to get move the ball down the field and get yardage. Okay, but okay, here's the other thing, though. The offensive line sucked yesterday. Well, it all comes together. Like, okay, that why would I even believe? Okay, there's even more reason to not believe in George Fawn if the offensive line can't block. I'm not putting it all on him. I'm just saying, like, he had the yeah, and, and I, know that, I know that it came out, like, shortly before the game started that Ben Dooley wasn't going to be playing in this game. But I don't think that that horrible performance can just be pinned on one person. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, in general, if you're that good of a player, you'll find ways to get some yards. I mean, not if not if you're not finding any not if not if the offensive line, as 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 veteran heavy as it is at this point, isn't opening lanes for you, well, because you and and because they got beat repeatedly up front, and I think yeah. that there's no better evidence for that you know, than the fact that they had eight TFLs, you know, two yeah. sacks in this game as well. You know, the, the Oregon State's front seven just beat Boise State's offensive line over and over again throughout this game. That's not a Hawani thing. That's not a Bachmeyer thing. I mean, I think that it, it definitely played a factor in Bachmeyer's poor decision-making, especially on the turnovers. But I do think that you're maybe being a little bit unfair to Hawani in particular, just because I think the bigger problem is the offensive line just did not get the job done. No, it totally is. But I'm just, again, like if you're a guy, I don't know, I'll repeat myself, but it's you're not wrong when you give up that many TFLs, uh, two sacks. but but here's the thing. Green brought a spark to the offense in multiple ways. Here's here's also part of why I could see, like, kind of maybe to belabor my point, but he came in, Green, 1928, moved the ball pretty well. Obviously, on the ground, he had 256, 257 total yards. When you start passing the ball well, you would think, oh, I know they're down, obviously, because they looked, second half looked much better, but the first half, they were, like, they were the – one of the worst teams of the conference yesterday in the first half, they couldn't do anything right, which is why they pulled Bachmeyer. And then they, they, they out, did outscore Oregon State in the second half to go up 17 to 10. But that clearly wasn't enough to come back when you're down 24-0. But there's a lot of things wrong with this team. It's it's the same issues the past two years. Offense, injuries are a thing. Okay, they come in this game. You should be healthy game one. I don't know why Dooley's not playing. It's like, that's unfortunate, but... You're a team that recruits the best in the conference for how many years in a row and you don't have an offensive line? In game one, you don't have that? And that trickles down to why Bachmeyer didn't play well, part of the degree. Why Halani doesn't play well because he can't find any place to run, like you said. What, what, what am I supposed to say when you, get, you can't block, you can't run, your guy can't pass? What do you have as a team? You don't have much. Okay, well, and here's, here's another thing we haven't even mentioned yet. None of those guys we've mentioned play defense either. Yeah, Dale Skinner, come defense, on. They got beat badly in the first half and the second half. They just got beat for 60 minutes. Chance Nolan, great QB. I know he did two, there's two picks, but they couldn't guard Musgrave, who had 89 yards and multiple guys with a lot of a lot of deep plays. They had at least four or five plays over 25 yards. Like yeah. they're getting beat. Okay, so, 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 so do you, do you want to compare the big plays in this game real quick? 
all for Oregon State, right? Almost because Boise Boise State had four plays for a total four big plays. So on the ground, that's you know runs of over ten yards or passes of over fifteen. So, so as a team, Boise State had four big plays for one hundred and fifty eight yards. Oregon State had twelve for three hundred and fifty six yards. They just they tore through that defense like it was nothing. Does Boise play Air, play Fresno this year? They do. Fresno by blue. four touch. Fresno by four touchdowns. I don't care. <laughs> like Chase Nolan ain't, ain't Jay Kaner back there. But Oregon State, no joke. They're going to compete for the Pac-12 title. Could win the whole thing. But Boise, like this. Also, I don't think all this was on. Like Oregon State's good. They played well. They're amazing at home. Boise, like if you trying to put the right way, so it sounds the best way to put it out there. My point being, this wasn't all Oregon State being overly dominant, just attacking and crushing Boise State. Boise State just wasn't good in this game. In the second half, they picked it up, but Bach, Bachmeyer is probably not starting. That. He's done. I think he's not playing again for Boise State. Green moved the ball much better. Couldn't do enough in the second half because he came off the bench. You're down 17. No, you're doing different things, but he showed to be more explosive, but this was more of a, it's, it's going to sound not great Oregon state, but Oregon state played extremely well, but also Boise couldn't do anything on their own. They couldn't save themselves from anything. They offensive line garbage, like you said, which leads to running game, not going very well, but Oregon state like changed the one, beat them up or the only decent thing was maybe Boise rush defense. But then again, they let up a handful of too many big plays in the ground. It just wasn't good all the way around. No, they somehow Oregon State was only four thirteen on third down, which is shocker that they're that inefficient. Boise didn't move the ball. Yeah. It was, oh, boy. oh, oh, and Jonah Thomas also missed two field goals. Let's not forget yeah. about that too. And they were plus two in the turnover margin, and they still lose by seventeen points. You're plus mm-hmm. two. You miss field goals. There's, I you're if, I don't know five to three is a lot, so that's not two zero because two zero is different than five three in turnover margin because. Oregon State had chances to score off turnovers, which they did. But Boise State they was were... minus two, and by the way, not plus two. For Boise State, they had... oh, was I looking at? Oh, my bad. Oh, never mind. Okay, let me. I was looking yeah, they at had it. three three interceptions, two fumbles. My bad. I, for some reason, I was reading that as takeaways. I don't know what I was doing. So never mind. Disregard the last ten seconds. So minus two turnover margin. My bad. So yeah, that's clearly worse than what I even said. They, I don't know, man. They're. What do we say here? They're like Air Force and Fresno for the title. That's what I'm going with again. That's that's my teams. I don't care. What are they going to do to get better? Like, how do they get better? Off, it's not just the offensive line. They clearly don't have a quarterback. They might now. They defense got beat the crap out, which is supposed to be really good. I know Jill Skinner had 12 tackles, but they don't want DB getting 12 tackles. Noah did all right. He had a half a TFL, seven tackles, and Ezekiel Noah. But I mean, like, okay, well, okay. Here's here's one thing. Be the positive guy here. Um, I'm, I'm being too negative today, apparently. No, no, no. You were asking me what, what needs to improve. Um, yeah. They need a second receiver. Mm-hmm. Because their their leading receiver was Ashton Genty, who happens to be a running back. Um, you know, Stephen Cobb said it, you know, he was fine. You know, he, they were they were definitely trying to get him the ball. He had nine targets, only had four catches for 39 yards. But then other than that, you know, Latrell Caples, who was in the starting lineup with him, four catches, 23 yards. He didn't really factor in much. You know, Billy Bowens had a couple of catches for seven yards. Riley Smith had a couple of catches for 29 yards. Tight end, though. They just did not have anybody who could stretch the field. 
which we knew coming into the year was going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Clueless Shakir is catching passes from Josh And, Allen, and oh, by the way, they lost Austin Bolt for the season yeah. with a broken yeah. leg, I believe. Yes, yes, broken left leg, I think, something. So, yeah. Oh, oh, and Markel Reed also out for the year, they think. So, where's this team? Like, I know it's week one for them, the 0 1. They're in the danger zone. <laughs> like, what's the danger zone? Are they not, potential not going to the bowl game this year? Is that your danger zone? No, what, they're, they're, danger just, zone? they're in danger of, of falling out of this kind of championship conversation that we sort of set up for ourselves coming into the year. They already were last year. Because I think. I think I think I'm with you in that if I had to make the decision of who's going to start next week in Albuquerque, I would probably go with Green too, because they need somebody who can extend plays. He did. I think it is yards. preferable to have a quarterback who can extend plays as opposed to try to stand in and make plays while taking taking big hits repeatedly. That's what Buckmeyer's done line, from day one. Day one. The offensive Florida line State did not look good enough to help Bachmeyer succeed. No. It's a plow thing. It's a Bachmeyer, not mobile quarterback thing. Because again, Florida State, day one, how many shots you take in that game and they want somehow in Tallahassee? It's like, cool. But I also think but Oregon they, State's a pretty good team. Oh, I told 100% agree. That's why they remember they they were undefeated at home last year. They beat Utah, they beat USC at home. They did very well. They're a team where probably should be ranked when the polls come out. I think, where they come out Tuesday with the holiday, I think. Or yeah, I think Wednesday so. Afternoon. I'm not sure. But they got Fresno State next week, and that we've circled that game a long time. That's going to be one heck of a game when they play Fresno State on the 10th. Mm-hmm. All right, final game of the weekend. This, we'll make this one quick. Western Kentucky 49, Hawaii 17. I do kind of wish me I, – I, I kind of feel bad for our buddy Ryan who does the Mexico stuff about showing him how to get the app to work for location settings. He maybe not wanted to tune in for this because how it turned out. Because we're, well, we're having sh- a couple sh- issues. Like, why, shout out why, to, uh, to LSUfootball.net, by the way. What, well, I didn't go that route. Was that to get it on the browser? What was that? Yeah, that's what okay. I ended up using, and it worked out just okay. fine. Awesome. Okay, I'll, we'll share that later down the road. Maybe we'll see if that – well, I don't know how much we want to share that workaround because it might get shut down if we, we, if we oh, spread that's it true. too much. So it's like uh, we'll go behind the scenes. But there is a way to watch it on a browser, which is helpful if you're not in Hawaii. So 49-17, we knew Western Kentucky had an offense, obviously, with – Billy Zappi last year, last year, and they brought the guys over from Houston Baptist running the show. Um, you had Austin Reed, a couple times, three TDs, very efficient. Uh, Schrager was okay passing the ball. Well, <laughs> okay, this no, okay, is no. I was going to make a bad joke, and I need to rephrase how I was going to put that because I was looking at no four interceptions, not good. I was thinking that I was going, I was going to start saying, well, he was fairly efficient until he had those picks, which is the dumbest thing in the world to say when, hey, yeah. It's like, uh, oh, I only missed four passes, but they're all interceptions. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what he did, but he's only 22 or 33. So his decision-making is not ideal. Is that a good way to put it? And when you have four picks and – Yeah, I mean, all of the all of those turnovers – and and by the way, Joey Yellen also had one too. Yeah, came in at reserve. All of those turnovers – and they also had a fumble too. It led to directly to 20 points. And one was Which is six. the same kind of problem that they had last week against Vanderbilt. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna have to sort of reset my expectations for this Warriors team for this year. Yeah, I do. Okay, I do like they threw for a decent amount of yardage, but this interception's got to go, man. Like, yeah, too many mistakes. 20, 
Yeah, 22-33, that 66% range is fine. But no, like, get rid of the picks, obviously. Running game was all right. Parson didn't do great, but they brought in, what, Bryant, Bryant Lillet had 64 yards and a touchdown. They didn't run very well overall. They do. I do also, okay, passing game, where there are some positive, they do spread the ball to a million people, which is what we would expect or thought with his offense. So mm-hmm. there is that. So it's a good thing. And some decent 10-plus, 15-plus yard passing plays. There are some positives in that part, but they're just killing themselves with five interceptions and then also uh, one loss, six turnovers, one loss fumble. So it was 6-2 to two in a turnover margin, which I got right this time. I'll make sure it's correct, I believe, right? 6-2 to two in favor of uh, Western Kentucky. Yep, I got that one right this time. Matt. Yeah. Good for me. Um, but 4-16 on third down, not good. I like the aggressiveness from fourth down, but when you're down by – when you're down 21-10 at halftime, 28-10 in the third quarter. I guess one good thing defense, Western Kentucky was not good on third downs or fourth, one of seven. So there's that. If you want to look at a little bit of defensive positive, when Western Kentucky thought they could go through that wet paper bag where Hawaii showed some resistance at times. Because <laughs> if, they, if they're one of seven and they scored 49 points, imagine if they're a four of seven or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anything – more to say in this game, like they're just outclassed and it's a team that might win just a couple games this year. I felt four would be kind of the stretch for me, but it might be looking less than that. Yeah. One the Michigan, Michigan game next week is going to be ugly, unfortunately. Yeah, I saw I saw that the opening line for that game was 48 and a half. Right? Oh, I thought it was 51. Did it change? Oh, maybe it was. Maybe we're looking at different tweets, but yeah. I looked at, looked at Circa, just, or maybe I'm looking at the wrong one. I don't know. I thought that the offense would be the saving grace. But the offense is just making too many mistakes right now. Yeah. If they were to cut those down, it would be like, okay, give me two interceptions. So it's not great, but whatever. It would, then he may have had 300 yards. I thought potentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the completion rate's fine. But just those, and we knew what Schrager was getting to, like what we saw last year. He's like, it's like Cole McDonald before. It's like Saber and Cordier, where they're kind of erratic at best, where there might be a big play here. They'll put up some decent amount of yardage, but ultimately those picks will cost them in a day. And they're not mm-hmm. squarely in the ESPN's bottom 10, but I don't, it's uh, just cut down. Here's what I think the goal would be like cut down on those turnovers and that would get them closer in some games. So when they play Duquesne, that might be their first game of the year in a couple weeks, but I don't know. Running games, not, not offense. Just uh, you're right. Offense is not there. Just too many patients. Patients will be a virtual on the islands this year. I think exactly. Anything else to add about the Hawaii game or anything on the week before we wrap it up? It's been a, reasonably lengthy week one show, but we had 11 games, folks. And then I had my Aztec grant for like 10 minutes. So there's that. Yeah, I think we're pretty much all set. All right. So MWR.com, subscribe to our show if you haven't. If you got this far, thank you. Appreciate it. We get more. We had noticed some more people listening. It's so like quite a few more, which is nice this off season and coming in the past couple weeks. So we have a week two stuff coming up and yeah, just um, we'll have some overreaction type stuff. We'll have all sorts of random stuff on the website. Q and A's are fun to do. So I think also Matt, um, I may bring up some, uh, something fun next week to do for either the podcast or written stuff people might look forward to, something I may toss in. But also, I'm going to have some issues with the quarterback rankings I'm starting this week. I um, There are some teams I'm not sure I want to put them, but we'll discuss that for another day. So check us out, mwr.com, and we'll get ready for week two and uh, a lot of games, and let's hope for a more uh, a festive week with some more wins. That's my goal for the team, for the league. So that's what I want to see. <laughs>